Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Who's enjoyed Chase and Jerry Ann's messages so far? Yeah? Hopefully you guys got to go back and listen to those on the podcast if you weren't in service and starting with Beyond Beyond Adam to Beyond Eve to Beyond Abraham to Beyond Gideon. And tonight I will say I'm going to have to end the Beyond streak. So I don't have a message titled Beyond. But one thing that has been stirring in my heart. So we took all of our youth, Pastor Mark and Ashley and my wife and I and then Myrna, we took our youth to camp this whole last week. And I will tell you, I feel like, man, the Lord moved on my heart just as much as he moved on theirs. And I know for you students, parents out there, hopefully you've seen a difference. Because we charged them at the very end of the camp. And we had times of just devotion with them, being able to connect in. But we encouraged them that this does not need to stop here. It cannot stop here. This is just the starting platform that they're going to carry this into our cities. And especially if you've been around Anchor Faith Church long enough now or this year, then you can realize that we've been talking about revival and that it's not just a revival within us, but it starts within us, but then we are to take it to our city. We're not looking for a revival in here. We're looking for a revival out there. So while we were there at camp on Wednesday, they came over to me, the camp director, came to me and asked me if I would be willing to minister to the high school students on Thursday morning for a breakout session. And so he handed me a outline, and I was honored to do it. And in this outline, it talked about being a disciple. And ever since then, man, it's just been stirring in me. And so I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to minister? Because obviously I went back through and I wasn't able to hit all of Chase's or Jerry Ann's messages. So I made sure this week to go back on the podcast and get caught up. And just hearing talking about purpose and identity and the original intent. And I'm a, I'm a big kingdom, let's go back to the original intent guy where let's start at the very beginning and set that foundation. And so it's no problem for me to be able to pick up on a kingdom message and run with the original intent of what God created man for. But while I was studying out and going through this discipleship, one of the things that got pointed out to me in that lesson was what I wanted to start off with, but I wanted to talk about the Lord's harvest. And in the Lord's harvest, there's some misconceptions that people have gained, and I want to help bring clarity, because the word brings clarity on all situations, correct? Because God is not the author of confusion, amen? Amen, he brings truth, and he brings clarity. So the first thing I wanna read is Matthew chapter four, verse 18 through 20, and I'm gonna read it out of the Amplified Bible. It says, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he noticed two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Everybody say fishermen. All right, fishermen. They had a job, right? So they're working. And then he said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher, walking the same path. Everybody say same path of life that I walk and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. Everybody say example. All right, so we're gonna dive into this, but one of the things that was handed to me in this lesson, and they said, we really feel like you would be a great example, but it had two contrasting differences in this passage of scripture. And so what I wanna point out is what was their job they were doing? 
Anybody? They were fishermen. Okay, great. You guys are following along. Great. By the way, I'm used to the little people or the smaller people. They are a whole lot more talkative. They communicate. You can talk back. It's okay. Once we get into church, we always want to get tight and, well, we just want to take notes and listen. No, we can communicate. If you're feeling it, amen. Let's do this. All right. So they were fishermen. So I want to bring out, it's a good thing they weren't hunters. Who's a hunter in here? Who's ever gone hunting before? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a few. Awesome. We've got, we've got a good group. Who's known somebody who's gone hunting a lot? Anybody? Okay, there's the other people. So there's some contrasting differences between fishermen and hunters. Number one, with hunting, what do you normally wear? Anybody? Camo. So number one, the big contrasting difference is when you go hunting, the first thing you have to do is you are trying to disguise and deceive your game. I want to be a tree. Don't move. If I'm wearing camo, you can't see me, right? That's the whole goal. I love to go turkey hunting. Turkey hunting is a thrill for me because you hear them in the distance, you're running through the woods, you're trying to get set up, and then once you get close enough, you want to sit down and you don't move. And you try to get that turkey to come in and you try to blend in like a bush. And any little movement, a turkey's going to see you and take off. So you have to try to deceive them that you are a bush. And so with hunting, the main goal is trying to deceive the prey. You're trying to blend in. You're not wanting to stand out. You're trying to make sure that you look like their normal environment. Well, praise God, Jesus didn't call us to be hunters. Because he never wanted us to blend in. He never wanted us to deceive in order to attract the prey in. He said, no, 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 we're bringing the real thing. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he started shaking up some things. The disciples were even talked about one time, and they said, man, aren't those the people that are turning the world upside down? Well, technically, it was changing their world upside down, but they were putting the world right side up because they were reestablishing what Adam had lost in the very beginning. And so fishermen... I saw some fishermen, your hands right, everybody fishermen. So the main goal of fishing is you want to attract your fish into you. You're not going out to deceive them that I'm a fish just like you. Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm finding out what what are they attracted to? What do they like most? Well, Jesus did this very same thing. He talked a lot in Matthew talking about don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you drink, what you wear. Don't even worry about the things Gentiles seek after. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. And he was constantly changing up the narrative that they were hearing. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. And he was using the examples that they could relate to, that he was drawing them in, even to the point where Nicodemus showed up to Jesus in very wee hours of the morning, In John chapter 3, and he asked Jesus a simple question. He said, what must I do to be born again, to enter the kingdom of heaven? He said, you must be born again. And he had this whole discussion. But something about Jesus was attracting people to him. It said it got to the point where a great multitude would just show up because Jesus was changing the situations around them. And so Jesus is now calling out to these two men who were busy doing a job. 
they had an assignment in the natural. They were fishermen. And he called out to them. He said, leave everything you got and come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him, becoming his disciples. Disciples simply is a pupil or a student. It is one who is wanting to learn from a master. So they noticed something about Jesus that said, I'm interested. You've caught my attention. I mean, if we look in today's society now, they have all sorts of algorithms on phones and devices, and they're constantly trying to get something that will get your attention. Based on things you look at, based on things you search, they're constantly trying to throw out, you might like this. Have you thought about this before? Here's this ad that might be more your liking. Well, dear Lord, the kingdom of God should be even more adequate saying, are you tired of depression? Because we have some peace over here and some joy. Are you tired of feeling lonely and all by yourself and that there's no hope? Well, we have one that's brought the hope back to us. And so when we're looking at being disciples, their whole goal was leave everything behind and follow Jesus. Well, in today's society, we have a lot of people that are disciples of other things. They're spending a lot of time. They're spending a lot of money. They're spending a lot of energy to be a student of a trade or a student of a college or a student of whatever it is they want to put their effort into. But they're neglecting the one source that will bring true life. And so when the word of God starts dealing with us about where are you putting your trust? It says here in the Amplified, I loved it. It says that he told them, He said, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher, walking the same path of life that I walk. And I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. And so in scripture, we see that the goal is to attract other people into the kingdom. So the first question or challenge I wanna ask ourselves and you don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to write this down. I want you to meditate on it this week, is are you living a life that is attracting others to the kingdom of God? Are you living a life that is attracting others to the kingdom of God? Because that's a deep question. Because we live in a society where people are looking for the real thing. One of the things that we took home from this camp is that these students that we had, we had over 300 students there. And I will tell you, it was some of the most powerful time in God's word, in worship, where they were just entering in, they were abandoning themselves. And they were literally, one thing I kept asking all of our students, they said, man, this is just real. They're tired of the fake substitute. And now they're saying, no, give me the real thing. I wanna know the truth. Truth hurts sometimes. We all aware of that? We all know that? But what's the result of truth? It's life and life more abundantly. And so these disciples made a conscious decision that I will follow Jesus. They left everything they knew to follow after him. And so now we are called to be disciples. And obviously we're gonna get further into scripture, but the biggest thing is that we have this big misconception of who's ever heard of the Lord's harvest? If you've been in church long enough, you've probably heard that term, it's the Lord's harvest. 
Well, that's obviously going out, ministering to the lost, bringing in the lost. Well, one of the benefits of us moving to Valdosta is Valdosta in South Georgia is a great agricultural town, correct? You can drive around, you can see all sorts of fields that are being plowed, worked on. Well, I got the opportunity for the first couple of years we lived here to help out with, and I've been corrected, I used to call it pecan, but now they say it's pecan, and they said if you're going to work in the field, you have to call it pecan. So the pecan harvest every year, and I started off at the bottom. And so what that meant was I was the limb guy. So harvest time isn't just one-time event. Harvest time starts all year round. The moment you get done harvesting your crop, you're starting for the next season. You're getting things ready. And I realized, oh my goodness, it's not just a like three-month period or a two-month period. It's all year. They're planning their whole lifestyle around this harvest. And so when I started working for them, they said, we need somebody to go through. And when we get all the pecans all together, you got to go through and you got to get all the big sticks. Well, dear Lord, I'm a tall guy. I didn't realize that's not a tall guy job because you're bending down all day long like this. And then all of a sudden I'm realizing, why is my leg just throbbing? I'm like, what is going on? But I realized the work you put into it was for the goal to get what was out in the field into the barn. And so I did that. And then the next year I got to graduate. I got to drive the Kubota. It was great. And then everybody else got to clean up everything. And then I got put in a tractor and I did this for a few years. But the one thing the Lord kept showing me is that when it's harvest time, there's no days off. It's not, I don't feel like it, Lord. I don't, I don't feel like going and doing that today. No, it's rain or shine, you're doing something, and you're getting things prepared. And so one of the things the Lord told me back then was that whenever it's time, it's time. We don't get to say to the Holy Spirit when he's urging us, saying, go talk to that person right there and let them know how much I love them. We don't get the, the option to say, I don't feel like it today. That's called quenching the spirit. We don't want that by any means. But you see, when harvest comes on, it's go time. So in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, it says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, who did he talk to? Disciples, the ones that were following him, the closest ones to him. He didn't say this to the multitude, but he told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And so this word beseech that we see here literally means to urgently request And so when he's telling his disciples, he's not telling them, when you feel like it, go ahead and ask for laborers. He said, you need to urgently request that the Lord will send out laborers, which are the disciples, those that followed the teaching, followed the example, followed the same life path as Jesus. Because when the disciples became called Christians, the very word Christian just means Christ-like. 
when they were looking at the disciples, they said, man, they look a whole lot like Christ. So they were following in his very example that he had left for them. So in this scripture, when it says he is the Lord of the harvest, the very first thing we have to recognize is that it's his field. We don't own the field. He does. So if you are the owner of the field, you get to make the calls in that field. So now it changes our mindset on how we deal with the lost. I remember back in Bible school, one of my instructors, he talked about the Lord's harvest and he was giving more details. And one of the things that he said that always stood out to me is he said, you know what? You're going to run into some people that they're not ready for your Jesus yet. And that was kind of hard for me. I'm like, man, everybody's ready for Jesus. Well, the more I've realized and the more I've seen is that some people aren't. Some people have a completely misconception on who Jesus is. And one of the things that Pastor Marx has always talked about is that people know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. People have heard about the Holy Spirit, but they have no understanding of the person he is. And so we're dealing with these different mindsets. And so even with the job that I'm in now, I have an individual that, I mean, his view of Jesus and my view of Jesus could not be polar opposites, but yet he still says he believes the Bible. But his view of Jesus is that Jesus is going to pass judgment on everyone and that we're all going to die and go to heaven. And that's the only reason why we're here. But on my view of Jesus, it's not a doom and gloom. You better turn or burn. There's, there's a purpose and there's a destiny for every person that's here. And if he really wanted us to die and just go to heaven, why are we still here? Because in the original intent, when he created man, he created man for this earth, not for heaven. That's why he gave him authority and gave him dominion. And so now that Jesus has died and been buried and resurrected, now we have this access to the Father. And that when we are now believers and disciples, we should be living out the same lifestyle and the same assignment that Jesus had, which was proclaiming the kingdom and healing those that were sick. So now here we are, 2021, after going through a pandemic, watching things shut down, fear mongrels going crazy, and people are starting to ask the question, well, how do we get back to normal? You don't. And you know what? I hope things shook up on your foundation. You found out what was the real and what was the fake. Because back in 2020, 2020 at the very beginning, the Lord challenged me with this statement. Are you being entertained by sin? I said, ooh, that's a tough one. So it challenged me to start looking at what I'm looking at. The very things I think is funny, maybe it's not. The very things that I listen to on a normal basis, maybe that's not edifying. And it starts challenging your walk. And it starts challenging how you view things. Because the kingdom is all about the correct lenses. We talk about this, that we have all these different lenses and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to give us the corrected lenses of the kingdom of God. That we can talk about faith and we can talk about healing, but those are just trees in the forest of the kingdom. It's all in there. And so now we have these disciples and they're going out. And we understand that it's not our field, it's the Lord's field. I'm not gonna go to a farmer who's just planted a whole crop of cotton. And the moment it gets a bush about this big with no cotton on it, tell him, hey, 
It's time to harvest it. Go ahead, go get all the combines. Let's go ahead and get this all harvested. It's not my call. I don't know where the crop's at. It's not, it's not time yet. We go ahead and we chop all that down. We've lost the whole crop. But we got believers walking through just trying to get everybody born again, spirit-filled and everything else whenever their heart's not ready yet. So then it relies back on us to do this thing. We've all heard about it. It's called being led by the Spirit. That still small voice, that inner voice inside of you. That's that little, uh, it's the nudge. And whenever you are hearing those voices, I was talking to a lady at youth camp. And she was just asking just some simple questions. And I told her, I said, here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit moves on me, I know. I know that I know that he's telling me to step out or go say something or go move on his behalf. I said, I just, you can tell. I said, inward witness so that it's just an, it's an unction or an, an urgency behind it. I said, in the moment that I decide not to, I said, oh, man, it is, it, it makes you almost sick because you know I missed it. But you know what's awesome about our God? is we can ask for forgiveness in those moments. And we ask for strength to be able to respond correctly the next time. And then Pastor Mark has always told us, by the way, this is really weird that Pastor Mark's sitting on the front row because normally when I minister, he's out of town. So this is a little bit different for me. Just throwing that out there, people. But Pastor Mark has always taught us, it would be better for you to step out and fall flat on your face and miss it because he's there. He'll pick you up. He'll teach you and be like, hey, you know what? That was a great word, but it was not for this time. Next time, let's do it. He's instructing because that's what a pastor does. He shepherds the flock. He watches over them. So now we got Jesus with these disciples going about all these cities, ministering the gospel of the kingdom, healing sick, disease, all these other things, and they're watching him. And they're following his example. So then we go on and we see another reference that it's his field. Over in John chapter four, verse 35, says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe with harvest. And so Jesus is literally letting them know there's people that are ready to receive. But on the flip side, there's gonna be some that aren't. And we could go in, we could look at how he gives another reference of how there's wheat and then there's weeds wheat and weeds and he allows them to grow together and he said don't go and pull out the weeds right now because then you'll pull out the wheat he said leave them together and then when it's harvest time i'll split them so there's going to be people that don't want to receive what we have they're not ready but here's the awesome thing is that paul was talking about this he said man i planted paul's watered but it's god who will bring the increase. It's not us. So what we are obligated to, here you guys go, you ready? You ready for this? This is awesome. The only thing you're obligated to do is just obey God. That's it. You obey the voice of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and if they receive it, they receive it. If not, it's not on you. You just are obligated to obey God's voice yourself. So I want to get us in this mindset that we have something to say. 
I was encouraging uh, one of the students, and I talked about it on Sunday, that there are so many opportunities to encourage these kids or these high school kids that, I mean, God's just getting started. That you have a purpose, you're here on purpose, you have a voice that someone else needs to hear. And we got to encourage them and help really plant that foundation. We only had four days. That was it. But I feel like those four days, man, they dug deep. And they planted some seeds that I said, Lord, I thank you that we can plant the seed. That you will have their youth ministers or their pastors water that seed with the word. And that you will get the increase in the end. And that this will be a different generation. And so with the increase that comes, obviously, there's a principle in the Bible with harvest, which is seed time, you putting in the work, you are planting the ground, and then harvest time, which is reaping what you've now sown. But the biggest thing is that it's nothing we do in the, in the middle of it. We're not constantly sitting there watching the little sprout come up and say, no, we're not doing that. Sometimes, I know for a fact, we've planted seeds in kids' lives from here in St. Augustine and back in Oklahoma where I'm from, that I knew for a fact, Lord, I thank you that I've planted this seed and I may never see the return on it, but I thank you that I've planted the seed and it'll stay there and it'll grow. And so with you, the only obligation you are to be obliged to is I will obey the voice of God. If he tells me, go pray for that person, I'll pray. If he tells me, go and sow a seed into somebody's life, go do it. And the best reward that you will ever get is one day you'll look and you'll hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did what I asked. But in the meantime, we got a lot to do before that day comes. And so in Romans chapter five, verse number eight, I love what the Passion Translation says. It says, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly that Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. So we have to constantly remind ourselves. And one of the things that I love about what the Lord's been speaking to us and been ministering through our body is that we are getting to a position within us that it's no longer about us anymore. We're not coming here on Sunday and Wednesday to try to fill ourselves back up. As mature believers, we're getting to the point now where he's maturing us to not only say, man, I can't wait to get to Sunday or I can't wait to get to Wednesday, but he's saying I can now take Sunday and Wednesday on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday to my workplace. And then on Saturday when I'm with my family, I can be the same minister that I am on Sunday and Wednesday. And he's saying, I'm tired of us living this lifestyle. And I even told the youth, I said, there's a great principle in the Bible. And it's either you're hot or you're cold. There's no in between. So this lifestyle where we constantly are wanting to just live as close as we can to sin is now being pushed back. And it's saying that's no longer accepted. There's a standard that we're rising and that we are now not only gonna just, not just stay as close to sin as we possibly can without stepping over, but now we're gonna start looking at it as what it is. And we're gonna say, no, that's not the lifestyle. That's not the plan he has for me. That's not the path that he's created for me. That if I'm gonna be a disciple of Jesus Christ, I must live the lifestyle he lived. And that was pleasing the father and only doing what the father asked him to do. And so when we look at Jesus as our example and as a disciple, we have to constantly then question, 
am I being a representative of Christ the best that I possibly can? And it's a challenging thing. And here's the thing. There's going to be a lot of people that probably hear this message. They're not going to like it. You know why? Because they don't like responsibility. I'm being honest. Because the thing about God's word is that it puts the responsibility back on us. You can come and you can hear Pastor Mark every single service. But the responsibility of the word that is then spoken is no longer on Pastor Mark. It's now on you because you just heard it. There's sometimes that we look at people and I'm like, ooh, man, I hope you're ready to hear that word because the moment you hear it, you're now responsible for it to now apply it to your life to produce fruit. Oh, come on, guys. I know, I know this is Wednesday. This is why I'm bringing this on Wednesday because I know who I'm talking to. And as believers and as disciples, we should be excited about this because it's not a condemnation message. It's one to be uplifting, to say we're raising the standard. We're not going to live a lifestyle that people question, do they even go to church? I'm done with the believers that whenever you find out, oh, yeah, I've been going to this church for the last 15 years, and it says your lifestyle doesn't say anything about that. I want to see a track record. I want to see in situations when people get pushed what comes out. Because what comes out is what you're constantly putting in. I mean, we did the analogy with our kids not too long ago in our KV class talking about the sponge. What you draw up in the sponge, guess what? It's going to be what comes out. It doesn't just magically change. If I put a sponge in water and I bring it up and I squeeze it, what's coming out? Water. But if I go over to a mud hole and I stick it down deep in there and I squeeze it and I'm expecting clean water, I'm delusional. It's only going to come out what you put in. So whenever we go back to that question at the very beginning, am I living a lifestyle that is representing God or is it, a, is it pulling people, attracting people to the kingdom of God? We have to question, what are we allowing to come out? Because there's two gates. This isn't even in my notes, but you know what? We're going to go there. Because there's two gates that we constantly are filtering things and we're viewing things. And that's your eyes and your ears. And whatever comes into those two gates will come out of your mouth. It's going to come out of your lifestyle. And one of the challenging things is, well, we're not going to. We're not ready yet. John chapter 6. We'll get there. John chapter 6, verse 44. Here's the awesome thing about our God. is He knows where people are at. He's the Lord of the harvest. He knows where his crop is. So we can literally say, everyone in this world was made out of dirt, right? So it's, it's the field. He knows his fields. So... John chapter four or John chapter six, verse 44, it says, the only way people come to me is by the father who sent me. He pulls on their hearts to embrace me. And those who are drawn to me, I will certainly raise them up in the last day. And so is that what that says? Okay, awesome, great. So here's the thing. We're not drawing anyone. It's God in us that they see. And then all of a sudden they say, ooh, 
there's something different. That's, that is something I've been looking for right there. And it's the Holy Spirit that's moving on their hearts that goes to them and says, this is what you need. This is what you've been longing for. I know for some of us with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit draws those in. And that whenever you guys finally received the Holy Spirit, it was like a light bulb clicked that you said, this is what I've been missing. Why? Because the Lord was drawing you in. He was wanting you to cling to him. And then over in Romans chapter two, I love what this says. Romans chapter two, verse number four. It says, do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he is or he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? But did you guys hear that last part? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Here's the thing, church. What have we been tolerating that we have now accepted? We've been talking about keys. Keys lock up things. They unlock things. We talked about how the keys of the kingdom have been given us to bind and to loose. Whatever is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But so many times we have tolerated it to the point of acceptance. But in the passage, it says, do not be mistaken his tolerance for acceptance. Do you, do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? It's supposed to be giving us, and one of the things that we've always learned in ministry training is that we give a lot of patience and what we call slack. We give a lot of rope because we want people to get it right. The main goal is restoration. Everybody got that? Everybody good? Everybody? The main goal is always restoration. It's not condemnation. It's not constantly trying to just shove people to the side. No, it's wanting to restore back to what they had lost. So you give slack. Well, thank God that God does the same thing with us. I mean, every one of us, if we took five minutes and I told you, write down five scenarios where you know God was tolerant with you. He wasn't accepting of it, but he was tolerant. And he was just patient with us. Because at any moment, he could have yanked the slack and said, I'm done. But he didn't. He said, I'll give him another chance. All of a sudden, we cry out, Lord, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Lord, I will never do it again. Then 30 minutes later, you're on that same website. Lord, I'm so sorry. But yet, true repentance is not the feelings of remorse. True repentance is a literal change of thinking. It's a turn 180 from that situation that says, I will never go back to that. And Lord, I will follow your path. Come on, is everybody good? Everybody good so far? I know we're getting real. Listen, I'm, man, I'm hot off a of youth camp. People it is awesome. Y'all can handle this. Y'all can handle it. I promise. We're gonna get somewhere and it's good. 
But we have to realize that we got to raise the standard. If we're going to say we are true followers of Christ, we got to live it. We can't just say it or just do our little church service on Sunday or church service on Wednesday or I served in that classroom. No, it should flow out of us. I mean, we talk to our staff all the time that we never want to minister out of just the little we have. We should be so full that it just overflows out of us and that we are ministering out of the abundance of what's around us. Amen? All right, let's get back on track. We're going to wrap this up soon. I said soon. I really don't know, but we're going to find out. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. We'll just hit on this really quick, and then we'll go to our last couple of scriptures. Luke chapter 8, it says, verse number 5, A farmer went out to sow in his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Who wants to have their seed trampled on and ate up? Right? Well, we know this being the parable of the sower, that whenever he's going out, there's four different grounds. Some fell on the path, some fell on the rocky, some fell on the weeds and all the thorns and thistles. And then what was the last ground? The good ground. Well, if we break that up into quarters, 25% is going to receive the seed. The other 75% is not. And so we have to be okay that if I sow the seed, because guess, guess what the sower did? He sowed the seed anyway. He didn't look and say, that's not good ground. I'm not going to say anything. Because we know from this parable that the, the seed is the word of God. And that he went about sowing the seed with hopes it would grow and it would change. But in the end, we know that only 25% received it and had a great harvest. But I want to encourage you that even if the soil that you're looking at looks like rocky soil, you can't look at the outward appearance only. I mean, if we all stopped and once again reflected on our life, where we used to be, aren't we thankful that somebody invested in us and poured into us, even when we looked like we were some thorns and thistles? Because when we allowed the word to come in, we started removing those things. We started getting rid of those. We started allowing the word to transform us. But the biggest thing is we can't look at people's outward appearance. We have to look at who they can become. I mean, there's a, there's a, a situation that I had a few years back that I was dealing with an individual and I was just ministering it to them, just constantly encouraging them with the word. Their life was all messed up. They were, it was bad. And it got to the point where I was like, man, I'm done. I feel like it's not, they can't get there. And the Lord had to arrest that thought and had to correct me on that. And he said, just like where you are right now, they have the, the potential and possibilities to be there as well. I was like, oh, well, okay then. Because I had thought, man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good for myself. But he had to correct me and let me know, man, there's always more growth. But just like you before, where you were, what if somebody gave up on you? 
And so I got to minister with him. And I got to, before he ended up moving, got to pray with him. And he ended up getting his life right and got married. And it was crazy. But with that individual, I don't keep in contact with him now. But I believe that the path that he was started on, that he would continue on it. And so maybe I need to look into it. No, I'm talking about it. But let's go over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Remember, the only thing you're obligated to is obeying the voice of God. It's not about what they receive, how they receive it. You just have to obey that inward witness that says speak, and you speak. Or it says go do this, you go do it. How they receive it, you allow the Lord to deal with that. Because the Lord's speaking to people's hearts. He's dealing with people right now that are sitting in their bedroom that aren't even here. And the Holy Spirit's speaking to them about things they need to tweak or things they need to change or things they need to do. And that that's the best thing about our God, the creator of the universe. But he said, I know them by name. He said, I knew them before they were even born. I know every hair that's on their head. I know the thoughts that I have for them. No one could even number them. It would be like the sand on the seashores. I mean, that's the God we serve. Is That's the one we're following after and we're trying to be disciples of. And so, dear Lord, we want to be the best representation that we can, that when people look at you, they see Jesus. Does it mean we're always going to be right? Absolutely not. We're human. We're all human. But that does not give us a license to sin. Jesus was human also. He said he became flesh and he dwelt among us. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He was tempted on all accounts, but he did not sin. So we can live a lifestyle that is pleasing to God, that points people back to Christ and everything that we do to be his example. But Jesus tells us over here in Matthew chapter 28, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to what? Obey. Everybody say obey. Okay, thank you. Everything I have commanded you, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Who is with us? Jesus. Then we go on. Last passage. This one's awesome. Mark chapter 16. So, you know, normally when somebody's about to be gone, you really want to pay attention to their last words, right? Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Okay. So the last thing that we see here in Mark chapter 16, we're going to read verses 15 all the way through 20. Um, Matt, I'm going to pull it up in the passion translation i gave you the wrong one let me read this to you and he said to them as you go into all the world preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race whoever believes this good news and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned 
and these miracles, signs, will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in new tongues, and they will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. After saying these things, Jesus was lifted up into heaven and set down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. As the Lord himself consistently worked with them, validating the message they preached with miracles, signs that accompanied them. So we've all heard this before as the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world, make disciples. But here's one thing that I've never noticed. And this is what I love about the Holy Spirit. Guess what the disciples did once they heard it? They obeyed. And guess what Jesus did for them? Because they obeyed, he then accompanied their word because he is the word of God. And whenever they spoke, it says that the apostles went out announcing the good news everywhere. And as the Lord himself consistently worked with them. See, Jesus isn't looking for just servants to do his job. He's looking for participants. He's wanting sons and daughters to the, be a part of this as disciples, yes, as followers of Christ, but he's wanting the family to continue the business. He's saying, listen, I've laid out a whole path, an example for you to follow. Now it's up to you to choose to follow that path. I mean, if we dive into more of these disciples and we look at it, some of them followed some dark paths. But if we look at what they did for the kingdom of God, oh man, I can guarantee every one of them look at it and say it was worth it. It was worth every second of it. And I was encouraging our youth. I said, if you think about this, so let me give you a little backstory. So when I was 17 years old, my parents decided to move to St. Augustine, Florida. I made a phone call to this man right over here at 17 years old and said, hey, I know God's called me to children's ministry. He was the children's pastor at the time with Pastor Ashley. And I said, I want to connect with you and I want to be up under your leadership. Moved down there, got connected with him. That was in 2009. So now what, we're 12 years in? 12 years in. The dis- I've had the honor to being with him. And obviously we had a little stint where he was up here and I was in St. Augustine, but we were still in connection because we knew God had ministry for us and we stayed connected. So I've got 12 years of connection with this one man of God. The disciples had three. They had three years where they dedicated themselves to follow his example, to follow after him. Then we go into Acts and we read about Acts and the story with the man at the gate, beautiful, where they walk over to the man. And they said, we don't have any money, but we do have, we're freely giving it to you if you want it. So in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And so they continued the trend. Everywhere they went, they ministered on the kingdom of God. They were obedient to follow the voice of God. Even when he wasn't there, the Holy Spirit was. And the Holy Spirit was leading them and guiding them. And so as disciples, number one, we need the Holy Spirit. 
Number two, we have to obey. And the very simple take home for tonight is just obey. Get out of the comfort zone, lay aside the feelings, and just obey. Step out. I guarantee you, Peter was probably a little bit nervous when he stepped out of the boat. But what happened? He stood. But he allowed the distractions of the things around him to get him off focus and get him off course. As disciples, let's stay focused. Let's stay in the word. We charged our kids. If you're not in this, you're not going to be able to stay full. You're going to, where you are overflowing right now, and we are fresh off a of camp. I mean, we're pumped. We're excited. We're overflowing. But if you're not going to continue to turn on the faucet and keep filling yourself back up, you're going to run dry. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.